am, uh, I am all for technology. I love to mess around with gadgets and apps and things that make life easier, supposed to make life easier and ta- save us time and money. Uh, technological advances have just exploded in the 2000s, and, and I've been along for the ride. Uh, but, but, but maybe things at times go a little too far. I, I mean, how much can we automate? How much should we automate? Uh, I, can we rely on, I guess what I'm asking, can we rely on technology to take care of our spiritual lives for us? Now, many of you, I know, use the, uh, the YouVersion Bible app like I do. You might have it open right now. I mean, it, it keeps my Bible reading plans organized and, and enables me to read Scripture anywhere. I have my phone, multiple different uh, 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 translations. Uh, if I could read them, I could get multiple different uh, uh, languages even on, on that, just with that little uh, technology that I have loaded on my, on my phone and other devices. I, I, I read devotionals and, and devotional uh, uh, other books and things on my tablet, on my Kindle. There are podcasts that send sermons and devotional talks right to, to my devices so I can listen and I can learn. And, and we've used uh, Zoom and Teams and other video technology the last few years to communicate online. And even right now, there are people logged into this service uh, or people that will watch it later that, uh, that, that, that will experience this service without ever being in the room. So technology is not new to the realm of assisting our spiritual lives. But I think maybe things can go a little too far. Just just over a year ago, a new worship artist named J.C., released a new song. Now, that doesn't sound very controversial, except that J.C. isn't real. Not like we typically think of things being real. J.C. is actually a computer, an AI generation gospel artist, they call him, built entirely out of ones and zeros, okay? And and J.C. released its first single, notice I didn't say he, it's it, uh, It's, it's in, in November of 2021, and it's called Biblical Love. It's the first gospel song written by an algorithm recorded by an algorithm, and performed by an algorithm. And I think the only great thing we need to do is listen to a little bit of it just so we can see if, uh, if this is really... So go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and play that. You open your eyes, I'll be there by your side. I want to have it all with you. I want to have it all with you. Because my love is biblical. It's biblical, it's biblical. Uh, there's, there's more, it keeps going. It kind of sounded like a high-pitched Luke Bryan to me, but I'm not sure that, that that's a good thing. So uh, uh, anyway, uh, I'm all for technology, but, but maybe we've crossed a line. I, I mean, can we relegate our worship to artificial technology? I, I, can we automate holiness? I think, I, I think maybe not. Uh, in fact, I'm convinced that in order to, to live the lives that God has called us to live, it takes effort on our part, right? And, and it takes desire on our part. And it takes time and an investment uh, that, that, that we're always pursuing. Last week, we, uh, we started this series focused on living out our purpose, our uh, living on mission, right? And, and I told you that, that, that you are essential to the world where you live. Together, we declared our mission we live to love people to life. Can we say that together? Oh, there it is. Look at that. Uh, one, two, three. 
So how'd you do this week? Uh, did you love anybody this week? Did you show them what life with God is like? Um, how about I gave you a verse last week and I said this can be your first memori- uh, verse to memorize in the, in the coming year. Did you, did you get that done? I told you I'd have candy. I lied. I don't have any candy. Uh, actually, I, I told you I wouldn't, but uh, uh, I was just stringing you along. Uh, the first Thessalon- there it is, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, which, which spells out this, this mission. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. I don't know if you've walked into your uh, job this week or in your family this week or in the community this week and, and there are just people that you love so much that you're sharing your life with them and you're sharing your God with them. That's, that's what this is all about. Uh, we live to love people to life. Now, in order to, uh, uh, to, to, to love and to lead people to abundant life in Jesus, we've got to be living that life ourselves. It, it starts with the living. I'm, I'm convinced that, that if you and I are, are really uh, living an abundant life with God, then it's going to naturally overflow and, and other people will just notice uh, that, uh, that we're living life with God. And because we're living that abundant life with him, uh, we're, we're going to, they're going to be drawn to him through us. It starts with that abundant living. So what if I were to ask you if your life is abundant? How would you measure that? I mean, you might look at your checking or your savings account or your 401k, whoo, um, or see if, see if life is abundant, right? And, and so maybe your abundance is determined on what the stock markets do. I, I, I don't know. Or, or you might evaluate your family dynamics to measure abundance. Maybe a scary thought. You, you, you might look at the amount and, and the depth of your friendships to see if you're living an abundant life. You, 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 you might look uh, at your fulfillment in your job or, or your, your hobbies or, or where you volunteer and give your time. There are many different ways that we could measure an abundant life. But all of those that I just mentioned seem, seem kind of shallow and don't really hit, the, hit the, the, the bullseye. Abundance can't be measured by outward success or if things are going well, then I'm living an abundant life. That, that, that can't be our determination because circumstances in life change so much and and they're different for all of us and and what we might consider abundant life and good stuff here in the uh, great state of of Ohio might be completely different than someone halfway around the world somewhere what how do we measure abundance well an abundant life has to be measured in terms of our relationship with Jesus Living life with him makes all the difference, no matter what the circumstances are, are on the surface and whether the, uh, the stock market is up or down or, or whether we've got uh, uh, everything uh, exactly the way we want it in our lives. There's, there's a great teaching from, from Jesus that, that, that brings this truth to life. I told you we were going to look at John chapter 15, so let's read the first eight verses uh, of John 15. Jesus is uh, uh, in the upper room with his disciples. He's, he's telling them a lot of stuff. He's praying with them. He's doing all sorts of things. This is right smack dab in the middle of all that. And uh, Jesus is talking to his disciples. And he says this, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain 
in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that's thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So, looking outside, maybe it's a good day to talk about gardening. What do you think? There's some hope on the horizon, right? Uh, What is the purpose of a garden? Maybe I need to, I I think I'm going to get, yeah, give me some, what is the purpose of a garden? Somebody. To grow things, to produce, to watch weeds come up through. I mean, that was my, that's my experience of a garden. No. So yeah, to, to, the, the things are going to produce. It's, it's about what you're growing, the, the, the fruit or the vegetables or whatever you're producing. You, you, it, it's about all those things. You're not going to plant the garden if it's, if it's not going to produce for you, right? Um, if there are great big vegetables or fruit or whatever you planted and, and they've matured and they've grown and, 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 and you've got, you know, basketfuls of this and that, then, then you've got a great garden. But if you have sickly vegetables or no fruit or just a little harvest, then oh, just till it all under and hope for next year, right? Something went wrong, and a, a successful garden is all about the harvest. That, that harvest is emphasized over and over in, that, in those verses we just read, right? The, the, the bottom line of success spelled out, spelled out by Jesus is really one word, fruit. Seven times in those eight verses, Jesus mentions, mentions fruit or fruitfulness. It's all about the fruit. If there's no fruit, there's no, uh, if there's no produce, there's no reason to do all the hard work to have a garden. It's all about the fruit. In this garden, Jesus is describing the, uh, the garden of the kingdom of God. Uh, he, he, he lists out, he uh, describes three main characters. There's the gardener, the vine, and the branches, or the father... Jesus and us. The father is the gardener and he's doing most of the work. It's the gardener who owns the vineyard. He owns the vine. He owns the branches on it. He planted the vine. He's lovingly watching the branches grow. He has a vested interest in their health and well-being. It's the gardener who is tending the vine and the branches. He notices and gets rid of any branch that's not productive. He's watching and looking for fruit. He's doing whatever he needs to do to help that plant produce the gardener even even prunes the productive branches to make them more productive he he gets rid of anything that might divert nutrients away from producing that fruit it's the gardener who will also receive praise uh, when fruit is produced just just like when the garden uh, does well, when your garden does well it makes you look good oh you did good job verse 8 says that the fruit bearing branches make god the gardener look good so God is uh, the father he's the gardener he's doing most of the work the garden was his idea Jesus is the vine he's been planted by God sent from heaven we just celebrated Christmas uh the 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 story of Jesus uh coming from heaven to earth uh another way to look at that is that God the father the gardener has planted this vine uh, uh to to grow branches to produce fruit for the kingdom of God. There's an amazing connection between the the gardener and the vine. Jesus is the vine. It says he's the true vine. It says he's the vine that gives life. And we are the branches. 
and we're here to produce fruit. We, we already established that the, the fruit is the whole point of the garden. If we're not fruitful, we get cut off and burned up. We're the branches. So, so it appears at first glance that for us to live on mission in this world, we better be pretty sure that we're producing good fruit. I mean, we don't want to get burned up and thrown out, right? We better produce fruit. Well, before we go any further, I think we better uh, define what Jesus means by fruit because I'm pretty sure we're not talking about apples and oranges and mangoes, right? Some say the fruit that Jesus has in mind here is the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, described in Galatians 5, the Apostle Paul says that, that when we have the Spirit living in us, that he produces these godly character qualities, and uh, there's, there's nine of them that he lists, maybe not an exhaustive list, but talking about that the, the Holy Spirit produces his, uh, his character in us, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Uh, the, these things are developing in us, and so, so producing fruit for God... Uh, some say means that, that it's the developing of this godly character in our lives. Uh, sounds like that's probably right. Now, others, though, would say that, that, that fruit, uh, Jesus uh, talking about fruit means that we're winning people over to faith in Christ, that, that people are coming to, to faith in him because of, uh, because of us. If we're, producing it fruit, if we're producing fruit, it means that people are coming uh, to, uh, to, to, to find life in Jesus because of our influence. We're loving people to life, right? Jesus hinted at this when he, he talked about in another uh, passage in Scripture. He, he looked at the crowds and he described them as a field of souls that are ready for harvest. And so it sounds like that's probably right, that, that the fruit means that we're, we're bringing other people in to relationship with God. Other people have, have said that this fruit has something to do with answered prayer. In verse 7 there that we just read, it says that good branches can ask, any, ask for anything from God and, and they get it. And so maybe when our prayers get answered, that's the good fruit of a godly branch. And that sounds like it's probably right. Actually, I think that that fruit that Jesus is talking about is all of that and more. And I think it's, it's, it's really described there at the end of the, the, the passage that we read in verse 8. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, comma, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So it seems to me that fruit is simply the evidence in your life that shows that you are following Jesus, that you are his disciple, uh, showing yourselves to be my disciple. So, so it shows up as, as godly character qualities in our life, right? And people are going to be coming to faith through our influence and answered prayer and anything else that identifies you as a, as a, as a person who is living their lives following Jesus. Fruit is an identifier, I am not, well, I don't have a green thumb. Um, we have had gardens with uh, ranging success, usually ranging toward not much success. Um, and, but I can tell, usually I can tell what kind of tree, if I'm looking at fruit trees, I can tell what kind of tree it is because I can look at its fruit. Uh, fruit is an identifier. Uh, I can tell between an orange tree and an apple tree because I can look and see whether it's producing oranges or apples. A plant, uh, what a plant produces reveals its identity. And what's true with gardens is true with us. 
your fruit reveals your identity. So can people see that you are following Jesus when they watch your life? The fruit is that we are showing ourselves to be his disciples. So, so the natural point of this sermon, and you might say just one point, Pastor, you give us 47. But just, the point of this, of this sermon could very well be a call for you to get out there and produce some fruit. Doggone it, right? I, I mean, we, we agreed a few minutes ago that the whole point of a garden or a vine uh, or the branches in the vine is, is fruit production. Uh, we're, we're the branches where this fruit is produced, so we need to buckle down and get working on making some fruit. If you've had a garden or planted anything ever or produced, had anything, you know that that's not quite how nature works. And that's not quite the process for producing godly fruit in our lives either. There, there are two ends to a branch. And, and although the, the, the whole gar- goal of a garden is fruit production, the end of the ba- branch that produces that fruit isn't the important end. It might seem like that's the important thing because, I mean, this whole passage, fruit, 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 we gotta, we gotta produce fruit. It's, it's, it's all about the fruit. But the most important end of a branch is the one that's connected to the vine. Because if that connection is severed, there's no hope of any fruit. So uh, although this passage seems to be all about branches bearing fruit, and and it is, but it's really even more about branches remaining connected to the vine. It's all about us staying connected to Jesus. So as we evaluate if we're living on mission, like this sermon series is titled, we we really need to be evaluating if we're remaining in Jesus ourselves, if we're remaining connected to the vine. A lot of ways that we do that, uh, just a a couple of things I want to highlight today and something that we've had around uh, for a while is a little tool to help you do just that. These little cards we have had around, and I think there's a picture to go up on the uh, up on the screen. That and some of you might have these uh, sitting around. This one, it's still got the uh, the sticky tack there where I took it off my computer monitor uh, this week to bring it in here today, and it, it sits right there. Unfortunately, because it's there all the time, I probably look past it more than I more than I look at it. But but these these uh, cards are simply just five questions to live by that that can help keep you living in that abundant relationship relationship with Jesus to keep help keeping you connected to the vine and thus producing good fruit. The, the, just five questions there, but, but they're not necessarily the easiest questions in the world. I mean, if you're, if, if you're going to take this seriously, they require more than a yes or no answer, really. Uh, they, they assume that you've, you've actually uh, put some work in. They require commitment and dedication and action, and, and yet if we take these questions seriously, I, I don't think I'm overstating it, that, that if we are, we are doing behind the scenes what these questions are evaluating, whether we're doing, that, that it literally can change the course of our lives. The, the first three specifically address uh, what, what I've been talking to you about today, remaining in the vine, remaining in that close relationship with God. Have I met with God today? Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Do I see Jesus in the mirror? Now, 
These have been around here at Medina Naz for, for, for several years. Maybe you've seen them. Maybe like me, you know, you get used to seeing it. Maybe you've got it up on your mirror or uh, you've got it tucked in your, in your Bible um, and it's part of your, your daily routine. Or, or maybe you see it a lot and therefore you don't see it anymore. Uh, if, if you don't have one of these, there's a stack of them in the back on the table and I'd love for you to grab one and, uh, and, and take those home or grab seven if you need seven. But uh, 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 grab those. I, I want us to look at those first three questions today just real quick have I met with God today well you're here in church this morning so I guess you can check that one off the list let's move on right uh no this this is probably one you'd you'd call uh doing your devotions or having your bible time or your prayer time but but we intentionally use the terminology meeting with God to give us a whole different perspective on that, right? We're not just reading something or, or saying a prayer and then checking it off the list and, and moving on. We're, we're, we're meeting with God. We're spending time with, with the King of Kings and the, and the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation. We're, we're spending time with him. It is not overstating it to say that you will not remain in the vine connected to Jesus if you are not making time to meet with God regularly, daily, maybe multiple times a day. You will not live an abundant life that is attractive to others if if time with God is not your daily practice. Following Jesus is a relationship, and, and I wish that, that, that we didn't even have to ask this question, and hopefully you get to the point where well, it's, it's not that I have to ask this, and it's just, this is what I do, this is, this is just my life. I, I mean, I'm a, an avid list maker, and I keep lists all the time, and, uh, and, but, but uh, maybe you're like me, and you get those lists, but you probably don't write on your daily planner or on your list for the day, talk to my spouse, I guess we have something really important to talk, but it's probably not, uh, not, not that something you just put on the list. It just, just happens, right? Or spend time with the kid. You know what? Maybe, maybe we need to do a, a series on family dynamics and maybe you do need to make these. I don't know, but, but, uh, that, that'll be another sermon for another day. But, but, uh, I hope that, that this becomes a question that you don't even have to ask because it just becomes ingrained into the fabric of your life. I'm living in an abundant relationship with God. Of course, I met with God today. If that is not your daily practice, I don't know what else to say except start. And it could be three minutes. It doesn't have to be three hours. It doesn't have to be go out on the mountaintop and, and, uh, and, and uh, do a lot of funky weird stuff. It could be that you're gonna read a verse and you're gonna say a prayer and you're gonna listen to what God has to say and over time it's gonna grow and as you spend time and develop that relationship with God, it gets richer and deeper and he guides and directs your steps. That goes to the next question because the next one is, am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Meeting with God takes effort, but, but it's not just about walking through that and checking that off our list, right? Uh, when you meet with God, you'll sense his guidance and direction. <laughs> and then you've got to do <laughs> what he guides and directs you to do. And that may be harder than just the meeting with God part, right? If, if he points out sin, confess it and stop it. 
If he's telling you to go or to stop or to wait, then you'd better go or stop or wait. (laughs) Our obedience is rooted in trusting him, that he knows what he's doing. And and I think there are a lot of well-intentioned Christians today who spend a lot of time meeting with God, praying, reading, attending services and classes, but they're not really obeying God in everything. Pastor and author Francis Chan uh, used the illustration um, in one of his books that I I think kind of hit home to me. He said that when he tells his son to clean his room, he doesn't expect uh, his son to come back to him later and say, hey, Dad, I, I memorized every word about what you said about cleaning my room. To which Dad responded, yeah, but did you clean your room? And, and the son then, uh, he, he wouldn't want his son then to say, Dad, you know, I learned how to say clean your room in Greek and Hebrew. And, and uh, to which he'd respond, I mean, that's great, good, good stuff. Didn't ask you to, but that's, that's fine. But did you, did you clean your room? And, and he wouldn't want him to come back later and say, hey, hey Dad, uh, later uh, me and some of the guys, we're going to go down to Starbucks and, and we're going to spend some time talking about what we think you meant about me cleaning my room. To which Dad would respond, oh, that's great, I'm all for coffee time and, and discussion, but really need you to clean your room. Obedience, which rises from a loving and trusting relationship, is vital to living abundantly with God. Trust is active. We, we act on the trust. And, and so remaining in the vine, staying connected in relationship with God means that I'm not just hanging out to hear his advice that I might follow if I think it might make sense sometime, but I'm committed to obeying what he says. Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Well, the next one says, do I see Jesus in the mirror. And this question is all about the character qualities that, that, that change us over time as, as, we, as we live life connected to the vine. You see, when, when you're connected, when a branch is, is connected to a vine, the, the life comes from the vine, right? And, and so that branch uh, uh, has the, the, the nutrients and the sap. And uh, again, I'm not a, I'm not a horticulturalist, but, but I, uh, I, I know a little bit about how these things work. And, 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 and if we're connected to Jesus and we're, we're, we're spending time with him and we're trusting him and we're obeying what he says his character is going to be developing it will become more and more like him we'll start looking more and more like him i talked about the the fruit of the spirit that's that's important that's that's part of uh that's that's jesus character and what what it might look like if, if the spirit is is directing if that if that life is flowing in us do I look, we're asking here, I guess, do I look more and more like Jesus? Am I, am I uh, approaching situations as Jesus would approach them? Am I reacting uh, to situations like Jesus would? Uh, uh, later in, in this passage in John 15, we didn't read it, but, but there are several verses where Jesus emphasized that really, really, ultimately, bottom line, this is all about love. Uh, verse 9 says, as the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. Verse 12 says, love each other as I have loved you. Verse 17, this is my command, love each other. When we ask about whether we're seeing Jesus in the mirror, we're, we're really asking, I guess, is love the defining characteristic of my life? Oh, Love for God, love for others. Only God can develop his love in us. It doesn't mean that we're just nice. 
Uh, that's just kind of how we're wired. This is a supernatural thing that comes because we're connected to, to Jesus and his life is flowing in and therefore his love comes. It doesn't happen without remaining, without staying connected to Jesus, the vine. Have I met with God today? Am I trusting and obeying God in everything? Do I, do I see Jesus in the mirror? Pump the brakes and we'll stop right there and pick up the, the others uh, next week. But I just have to ask you, how are you going to live your life on mission this week? Well, you've got to stay connected to Jesus. If something is clogging up that connection, get rid of it. If something will help strengthen the connection, then, then go for it. Uh, this, is, this is present tense. This is what am I going to do right now or in the next uh, little bit as I face this. I, I'm walking step in step, hand in hand with Jesus right now. We're connected. Uh, today, at this moment, we're remaining in him. It takes time. It takes effort. You might have to get up earlier or go to bed later or turn off your phone or your notifications or watch less TV or miss some of the game, but, but, but your life, your mission isn't about any of those things right that's just that's just extra stuff if we're living on mission bottom line we're connected to Jesus you're living to love people to life you're living in close relationship with Jesus connected to him so that he can develop his fruit in your life and others will be drawn to him too so spend time with him Trust him and obey his direction. Let him develop his character in you. More than just uh, going through the motions and checking something off a list or, or okay, I've, I've said this or I've done this or I've walked through that. Uh, when we do this, when we're developing that relationship, when we're connected to the vine, we are well on our way to, to living, to love people to life, to living, uh, living our lives on mission for him. But we've, we can't do that without staying connected to him.